Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey guys, welcome to Locked On Leafs Podcast. This isn't a full episode. This is just a quick little uh, bonus episode that I'm going to be releasing. I today hopped on the Locked On NHL Podcast trade deadline show for about 15 minutes or so. And I just wanted to put out the segment that I had on there where I chatted about the weekend that the Leafs had. The trade, uh, the, their... The interview was done before the Barabanov and the uh, Ben Hutton trades were done. So this is pretty much just talking about the weekend. And uh, so without further ado, I suppose, we'll get right into it. Just a reminder, I am going to have a full episode also. um, Recap of the trade deadline for the Leafs, for the league. Um, what it means going for them going forward. And then also, obviously, with tonight's Montreal and Maple Leafs game, I will be recapping that as well. But I did want to just put this quick conversation out there as a bonus episode for y'all because it is a trade deadline. And, uh, well, I think I made some pretty good points. So here it is. Without further ado, this is myself with Ross Levitan and Sarah Avampato from the Locked On NHL trade deadline special from earlier today on Restream. He's not the only high-profile player. We had a captain on the move last night. Nick Foligno to the Toronto Maple Leafs. A huge splash there. They also acquired another veteran backup goalie in David Riddich. And who better than my buddy Mikey DiStefano in normal times? We'd be sitting side-by-side right now at the TSN 1050 Studios in Scarborough, Ontario. I can see that's where you're at now, Mikey. You must be fired up. The Leafs addressing a couple important parts of their roster. Yeah, I, I was really, really a big fan of the moves that were made uh, last night. Kyle Dubas going out there, making some quick work of the deadline, and we'll see if he's got anything else up his sleeve. But definitely going out and getting a guy like Nick Felino is going to add so much to this team. Like Everyone talks about how much of an amazing person he is off the ice, um, just in the locker room as a human. And what he's going to bring on the ice is going to be amazing for the Leafs too. A guy who's got a little bit of grittiness, some edge to him. He's a captain. Um, he can play in all situations. He can be out there in the final minute trying to kill, uh, put away a one-goal game with a one-goal lead. Uh, he can score a little bit. He's clearly not that 30-goal guy that he once was back in, what, 14, 15, I believe. But he's somebody who brings a lot of versatility to this team. Um, I've thrown it out there. Some people aren't too fond of it, but I think that he could be an option if you want to keep Galchenyuk Kaiman up in the top six. He could be a third-line center for this team and really solidify it down the middle, have three solid lines. Uh, and when you're going up against the team's Uh, like uh, Winnipeg, who I think is the biggest threat to them in the Canadian division. They've got those three solid lines, and now I think you kind of match that. And I've personally kind of penciled him in right there, um, but certainly that's not where it's going to – where it may not end up. But And then bringing in Dave Riddick, uh, clearly there's – some question marks, to say the least, with Freddie Anderson and what's going to happen with his future. Has he played his last game as a Maple Leaf? That question is is starting to be asked now. Certainly, it looks like they've used up his his cap uh, now that he's on LTIR to go out and make these additions. And getting a guy like David Riddick as insurance behind Jack Campbell ahead of Michael Hutchinson, I think, was a big move for Dubas. 
One of the things that I've noticed Toronto doing uh, this year and really in the recent past has been acquiring some of these sort of more gritty veteran type guys. They got, of course, Nick Foligno this year uh, over the offseason, uh, Joe Thornton. They got uh, Jason Spezza on the team who has bounced around a little bit, but uh, you know he, he's yet another guy with plenty of experience uh, that he brings to this team. Do you think that that's kind of the missing piece for this Toronto Maple Leaf squad is sort of bringing – bringing in these older, more experienced guys to back up their young superstars? Uh, 100%. And, and I think that there's no mistake that the, the big additions that this team has made over the course of the past calendar year has been guys like Wayne Simmons, guys like Joe Thornton, um, Zach Bogosian, and now you added Nick Felino, a former captain. Uh, this team has been called immature by not only Mike Babcock, but even at times last year, Sheldon Keefe was calling them immature. And there's just a little bit too much uh, immaturity in their game. So you kind of bolster it with those veterans that teaches these young guys how to play in the NHL and how to be a real pro. And I think that we're starting to see that rub off on these young guys. A guy like Matthews has really taken his game to the next level this season. And I think it's a big reason because of the offseason additions of bringing in those leadership veteran type players. And Nick Felino is just going to add to that group. So he's going to have to serve a seven-day quarantine. We won't see him in tonight's game in Montreal or this week. Now, the Leafs are on a nine-game win streak, 10-game point streak right now. But they're doing that in spite of their power play, which has just been non – it just hasn't even been there. They've allowed three shorthanded goals over the last 13 games and have one power play goal during that stretch. The talent is clearly there. What's lacking on the power play? You know, I, I think it's just they're just thinking too much. They're trying to set up the pretty play instead of just trying to get pucks to the net, right? They're trying to just get themselves wide open and get the perfect grade-A chance. When really, and you look at the one power play goal that they have scored in the last 12 games, it was a gritty goal off a rebound that he just puts it up over Markstrom's shoulder. So I think they just got to stop thinking a little bit, uh, you know, the term gripping their stick gets used often in hockey when a player's on like a goal scoring drought. And I think that's somewhat happening here. Not so much gripping the stick, but they're just overthinking it on the power play. And I think also a guy like Nick Felino, who has had some success playing the power play, could come in and maybe he's a, another piece that you could throw out there, whether in the bumper roll or uh, a net front presence. Maybe he can come in and help get this power play back on track because they got dynamite talent. And they should definitely be scoring power play goals like each and every night with the amount of talent that they have. It's just not happening. But once it does start to happen, look out. Because the way that they're playing at five on five, you include that power play success. This team seriously has Stanley Cup aspirations. Well, yeah, they were top two in power play before they ended up going on this street. Now they're down all the way, like nine, tenth around there. And for for the love of God, can we stop the drop pass entry on the power play? Like that slingshot just never works. The Kings do that too. It seems like it's catching steam around the NHL again, and I hate it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of it either. Just carry the puck in and, and get set up. That's that's my opinion on the power play as well, but. Hey, man, I'm not Manny Malhotra. I'm not running the thing. I can't make those decisions. But uh, clearly, something needs to change. They have to do something else um, to, to get that power play back up and running. We did mention goaltending and, of course, the the kind of constant question of what is going on with Freddie Anderson. Uh, so uh, as someone who covers the Kings and is very familiar with your current starter, uh, Jack Campbell, uh, what, what, does that, what has he meant to this team to be able to step in uh, through this time where Anderson struggled and things were looking a little rough for, for him to come in and just be phenomenal for the Leafs? Oh, it's been everything. 
absolutely everything. And like you, you talk about Nick Felino and how you can't say enough good things about the person he is off the ice. I think Jack Campbell, you, Sarah, would know just how amazing mm-hmm. of a human being he is as well. And he's just a guy that you want to root for because of that. And the amount of success that he's having uh, just broke an NHL record, 11 straight wins to begin a season. Like he is like if he had more starts, I think he would be in the Vesna conversation. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, when you're only played like 25 percent of the mm-hmm. game, you're probably not going to be. But honestly, he's he's a guy who's come in and somewhat. I don't want to say save the Leafs this year, but you think about the injury to Anderson. If they had to hand the the net over to Michael Hutchinson, they probably wouldn't be in the strong position that they're in right now, up atop of the Canadian division here up north. And so Jack Campbell certainly has been a massive, massive piece to this team's success this year. And I think that going forward now with Anderson on LTIR, it's kind of Campbell's net to keep if I'm being completely honest with you and and we'll see what happens with, with Anderson's health, but definitely the way that Campbell's playing, it's uh, it's, it makes it a lot easier to digest this Anderson injury. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought back to Anderson because we can't gloss over that when you've got a guy was brought in to be the starter and take this team to the next level when the rebuild really kickstarted in Austin Matthews rookie year. And we just haven't heard, like he hasn't skated. He's got, like an appointment here, an appointment there, but there's no updates on the ice. Now, being a Sens fan, it's reminiscent of when Tassik got hurt at the Olympics and they just kept saying, oh, maybe next week, maybe next week. He never played another game for the Ottawa Senators. I know that you mentioned it's a legitimate concern, but how much does that take away from their ability to not only get out of the first round, which they haven't done in 17 years, but make a run here? Honestly, I don't think it really matters at this point. Just Neither do I. <laughs> Jack Campbell's been the better goaltender when he's out there. Like Campbell has given the least the best goaltending. He's given Toronto the best opportunities to win. And now you add in a guy like Big Save Dave, you have a, a legitimate backup goaltender, a guy who has been a starter in the league and, and at worst a 1B in a tandem. And I think that those two together, given the fact that Campbell hasn't been able to put together a run, a good stretch, I think I would feel comfortable enough to put in Dave Riddick if it truly is the end of Anderson in Toronto and if he doesn't get back on track and that injury keeps nagging in through to the playoffs. Like, he's done for the the rest of the regular season. I think we can say that now. They're using his LTIR cap space to make additional moves. And the question is, are you going to want to put him in uh, in, in once the playoffs get here after not playing for for two months in – I don't know. I was kind of thinking about that earlier today. And to be honest with you, he actually did all right last year when they played Columbus after not playing for a few months because of the the break because of COVID. And that was because he was pretty fresh and rejuvenated. Perhaps that could happen again here in the playoffs uh, if they do decide to, to bring him back into the fold. But if not, if it is the end, I think I'm pretty set to say that the Leafs they should be okay, and they should be fine with uh, with the Campbell-Riddick tandem through the playoffs. There was one other deal the blue, uh, that the uh, the Leafs made with the Blue Jackets, actually, that uh, I think had a lot of people uh, asking some questions, which was the deal for Riley Nash, who is currently injured. Uh, and, you know, it's a deal for a guy who you're sort of banking on being able to contribute in the future. Uh, what what kind of was the motivation between uh, behind trading for him, uh, acquiring a guy who may not be able to step into your lineup for, for a little bit longer still? To open up cap space. At the end of the day, that's what that did. You, they, they acquired him to open up more cap space. This is just 
uh, Brandon Pridham and Kyle Dubas doing what they do best and finding the loopholes in the CBA. And now by putting him on LTIR, that opened up an additional $2.5 million that the Leafs could use to go out and swing a deal to bring in a, and a David Riddick and potentially still have money to make another addition uh, in the next where we have another 25 minutes, I guess, here in this deadline if they're able to do it. A guy who I'm kind of thinking is potentially a, a Jamie Alexiak type player, maybe a Jordy Ben out of Vancouver, just a depth defenseman who could step in in a pinch. Um, but You can yeah, have Erica Branson if you want. Yeah, I don't know if they need Gutty. He, he, he could stay in <laughs> Ottawa. He just had a kid, too. I don't want to bring him away from his, his I job. I know, I know. But, uh, no, I, I think that ultimately this was a, a depth move, a guy who could come in and play the fourth line once he's healthy in the playoffs. You know, he's a very defensively sound player. He can kill penalties, win face-offs, um, and play well in his own zone. You could trust him in a fourth-line role should injuries start to pile up. Maybe, you know, guys like Spezza and Thornton who are up there in age start to kind of teeter off and, and maybe they need a night off here and there as, as they get to the end of the season. And Riley Nash is a guy in the playoffs you could throw in and, and spell them for a night and, and feel pretty good about it in a sheltered defensive role where you only got to play him for 10 minutes. So uh, cap space is number one and depth, I think, is, is number two. And number three, I think it was also to kind of just keep the conversation rolling in kind of a package. Uh, if you package it together with Nick Felino makes a little bit more sense. Riley Nash for conditional seventh didn't make a whole lot of sense for Columbus, but having that conversation where, okay, we'll make this deal, put him on LTIR, and then we can make that Felino deal a couple days later once all of our money is in order. I think that also is kind of a used as kind of a facilitator of the Felino deal. So kind of a three-parter in, uh, in that one. Yeah, between that trade or those trades, I should say, and getting a first for David Savard, I think that's some tidy business for Yarmo Kekalainen, yeah. who went all in a pair of times and gave up first, second, third, some prospects. They really went full out. And why not when you're able to sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning? Made it kind of all worth it for them. Uh, Mikey, I want to get you out of here on this because we talk about the Leafs and, and all the depth they have. And maybe people who aren't as close to the situation as you are might think, oh, those guys are over the hill and aren't contributing maybe Jason Spezza to focus on this guy's been drinking from the fountain of youth he's had a hell of a season in Toronto yeah man vintage man like a fine wine this guy's playing some phenomenal hockey right now scoring goals uh putting up points uh playing on the second power play the thing about him too is he's only playing 10 minutes a night and he's leading this team at points per 60 with the very limited action that he has I think I saw he's like in the top five in the league for points per 60. He's, he's really having himself a phenomenal year. Uh, let's not leave out Wayne Simmons, who's come in and played a pretty solid role with the Maple Leafs as well. A lot of people thought that he was over the hill kind of last couple seasons in Nashville. And then last year in Buffalo, he kind of teetered out a little bit. But he's he's found the fountain of youth himself as well. And he's played himself a, a pretty solid role, I think, in in giving the Leafs some energy at times when they need it. And then Jumbo Joe Thornton, uh, what can you say about Jumbo? He's, he's just – what he does on and off the ice is pretty great. So I think uh, definitely bringing in those veteran guys has been massive for the Leafs. And looking forward, Leafs no doubt are making the playoffs, likely in the first seed. Do you have a preferred opponent? A preferred opponent? I mean, funny, they've played Edmonton pretty well. Like realistically, they they've they've played well against the the Oilers, but I don't know if I'd want McDavid and Drysdale on a seven game series. I feel like they go pretty 
pretty bananas there. However, I'm thinking uh, it, it's looking more likely that it's going to be the Montreal Canadiens, and, and I think that'd be a pretty solid matchup too. I'm Not just because I'm a homer and, a, and, and I'm of Locked On Leafs and, and we support the Leafs, but I think they are clearly the best team in Canada. I don't think it really matters who they play in the first round. They should be able to to win their first series. Um, I was saying this yesterday on my locker room. There's been three CBA signed since the Leafs last won a playoff series. So we got to get that uh, that done. I think that streak snaps this season, and I think that they make their way into the Final Four. And if that happens, I think all the moves that Dubas has made this season would be deemed success. I don't think it's cup or bust in order for this Felino trade and all these veteran signings to be considered a successful season. But you win that Canadian division, you make it to the Final Four, win a couple of rounds. I think that would be considered a, a good step for the Maple Leafs who are looking to have a long, long success. All right. So there you have it. Those were my first kind of initial thoughts uh, around, I think it was around two 30 this afternoon, uh, just on the deals that had happened earlier on in the day. Obviously it followed by a couple more moves made by Kyle Dubas. Um, and I'll be discussing those and kind of grading out the Leafs deadline as a whole in the, in the show that'll be coming out later tonight or uh, tomorrow morning, I suppose. So keep an eye out for that one. Um, until then, keep locked right here on Locked on Leafs.